Welcome to Philosophy, a newsletter by Sean Suzunyan. That's me. This is the October 2022 edition number two, the Halloween edition. This one features two articles, along with some fun stuff at the end here. The first one is about Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas, and the second one is about the WWE wrestling. We're going to start off with the Jack Skellington one because it's October, and if you can see, the newsletter is orange and really just has a Halloween vibe. So if you're not in the mood for Halloween yet, I'm hoping that this newsletter boosts you into that mode because Halloween is a pretty fun month. So is October. I'm ready for the orange and black. I am. Okay, Article 1. Jack Skellington as Santa Claus. Ignoring the fact that Santa Claus was assaulted, kidnapped, and imprisoned via a chain conspiracy involving the Pumpkin King, the Three Kids, and Oogie Boogie, Let's evaluate whether Jack could be liable for false personation for, of Santa Claus in California. California Penal Code Section 529 states, If Jack falsely personates Santa and doesn't act, that if Santa did himself would result in a lawsuit against Santa, then Jack will be held liable for false personation. It's kind of a confusing, confusing statute. I'll, I'll kind of break it down. So if Santa does something that would get Santa sued, but then if Jack pretends to be Santa and then does that act that would, that would have made him get sued, then Jack is liable for that false impersonation and Jack would be held responsible. So basically what the statute is saying is it's not enough for Jack Skellington to just dress up as Santa and go around. He has to have done something that would have made Santa Claus responsible. So if you haven't watched the movie, first of all, what? Watch it. Great movie. Even for, even for Christmas time, but it's great for Halloween. Jack acts as Santa Claus and delivers scary, dangerous toys to the kids throughout the unnamed city. He trespasses into people's homes and delivers these scary toys that end up causing fires and hurting the kids. <laughs> Imagine. Under Section 529, by the way, there might be other sections, but under Section 529, he wouldn't be in trouble just for the trespass into the homes because Santa himself is already invited into homes. People put out milk, they put out cookies, they put up Christmas lights, they say, they send letters to Santa, hey, come in, give me these gifts. So if Santa goes into these homes, he's not going to get sued for breaking into these homes. <laughs> so neither would Jack. Just because it's, you know, Jack trying to be Santa or pretending to be Santa, trying to trick people that he's Santa, he can't be guilty under this penal code section for breaking into the homes because Santa himself wouldn't be sued for that. So since Santa wouldn't face a lawsuit for breaking in, neither would Jack. But Santa would probably be sued for delivering toys that hurt kids. So at the end of the day... Jack would, for delivering those types of ki uh, gifts, be liable for the false impersonation. He would be fined up to $10,000 and thrown in jail. Enjoy Jack. Have fun in there, buddy. He almost got away with it, though. So, so that's the cool part. I mean, like I said, ignoring the fact that Santa was assault, you know, kidnapped and, and 
<laughs> forced to just have a traumatic experience. Um, he, Jack Skellington, almost got away with with dressing up as Santa. Granted, he doesn't live in California, and this section doesn't apply to him, but whatever. The second article is called Right or Wrong, because I really want to know your opinion on this. It's a recent legal, it, it's very, very recent. Um, I do know the outcome of the case, so I'll tell that to you. It, the outcome is not in the newsletter, but I will tell it to you. So the World Wrestling Entertainment, Inc., cough cough wwe wrestling was sued for something that they did in their video game and here's why wwe spends thousands if not millions of dollars creating a realistic video game and the whole point of it especially in today's world with with graphics being so important is to create a realistic video game so take a look at randy orton you probably already know who he is but i put his picture in here for you should the game include his tattoos that he had spent money on he put on himself and, and that have really just become a part of his identity as a wrestler, right? Like, it, it, if those weren't on his arms, it wouldn't be Randy Nor- or, or, or <laughs> It wouldn't be Randy Orton. <laughs> so the WWE said, yes, his tattoos should be in the game because it's realistic. We want it to be realistic, and it's a part of him. It's on his skin. So WWE hired a video game designer to make sure that the tattoos and Randy Orton himself looked as realistic as possible. But one person wasn't happy. The artist who drew those tattoos onto Orton sued WWE, claiming that they that WWE had no right to recreate the tattoos and had no right to put them into the video game without asking the artist. What do you think here? Should the artist be paid or even consulted for the tats on Orton's arms just because they're in the video game? I I thought this was really interesting because the tattoos are on his body, right? So it's like, what if I see him and I take a picture of him, right? Like, is that tattoo artist going to be mad that I took a picture of him without asking the tattoo artist? It seems more appropriate to ask Randy Orton if I can take a picture of him with his tattoos. I mean, it's just so odd to me. I think, don't get me wrong, I, I want artists to be appreciated um, and artists should be entitled to the value of the art that that they create. But it's like once you make money um, for having that piece of art commissioned, you've made your money with the, with the person who purchases that art does with it later shouldn't be trailed back to the artist unless there's a private agreement between them right like the artist could have said hey randy orton every time this tattoo is used or mentioned you give me a you know 100 bucks thousand dollars that's not what happened here but anyway i want to know your opinion so let me know and i will tell you you know what i'm not going to tell you the results of the case um obviously you can look it up but if you you know what yeah if you uh tell me your thoughts and you want to know and you don't want to look it up you could just write that in the email and i will email the result back to you okay so then the two fun parts of this newsletter is my favorite halloween candy which is butterfinger it's not my favorite candy year round but i think it's just particularly great at at halloween time and it's a really good candy bar of course it's much better fresh when it's out of like the manufacturer's building because sometimes by the time I get it from 7-Eleven, it's like melted already or already crushed. 
so it's really good when it's fresh. And my favorite Halloween movie is Coraline, not Caroline, Coraline. If you've seen it, let me know. If you like it, definitely let me know. If you hate it, I'm curious as to why you might hate it. Um, what is your favorite Halloween candy and what is your favorite Halloween movie? Let me know because I want to watch it. Um, and then the second part, or at least the last part of this podcast, is the introduction that a vocal newsletter is made available and is paired with this. So it says, too lazy to read? Click below to listen to this newsletter. And the eyes came out a little weird on that part, but that's fine. So you can actually click. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you figured out how to get it. So I'm not going to tell you or read the rest, but it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. Check it out. Thanks for listening. I'm so excited for November's. Have a great month. <laughs> uh.